going on down there. Hello everyone, welcome to WTF at TFW's WTF at TCG. The syllables never stop and neither does my enjoyment in saying them. Hi, Aaron is joining me and that's him over there. Hello, Aaron. Hi, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Uh, and we're joined once again by our uh, our permanent rotating chair that always has one person sitting in it, uh, Drew Nolosco from Wizards of the Coast. Hello, Drew. Hey, everybody. Hello. It's good to be back on the show. Hello, all listeners. Yes. Uh, for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, because I realize that tends to happen sometimes, uh, Drew is the brand manager for Transformers TCG. So that is Correct. that is the perspective he is operating from. And although I, I work with the acronym TCG regularly, I almost, almost attempted to do the full intro name for your show that you just did before and realized that it was probably a critical error. I uh, yeah, it's it's a skill I picked up in the last decade or so. I, I don't even have to think about the letters anymore; they just start rolling out, uh, which, which is real fun when I see other people try to say the show name. Because if you're new to it, it takes a good five or six years to just start saying WTF and TFW. Uh, uh, so let's set a marker five years from now. Let's see if I figured it out. Yeah, 2024. All right, <clears throat> that's going to be our our big reveal at Gen Con is uh, it's, uh, the the pronunciation of uh, this podcast name. Uh, but before 2024, <laughs> in fact, before 2020, Transformers TCG got its organized play, which is the uh, bedrock of why this recording is happening. Uh, and as was uh, explained to me by w- one of our, like, basically one of our biggest local uh, tournament organizers who has been behind this game since before it came out in Canada, uh, that is that is the quickest Wizards Hasbro has ever gotten organized play set up for one of their games, is what he told me. Well, you know, we have some experience now yeah um and uh the fact that we had didn't done kaijudo relatively recently and their organized play uh really helped cut through a lot of the um the difficult work in setting up an organized play program so mm-hmm. it, that was recent in the company's memory and mm-hmm. so we were able to build a, on a lot of those processes it has been in the works for some time yeah uh and you'll note that if you there, there's one thing that I think really indicates if you look at it the um, the fact that this was in the works for some time and it was planned to time with Siege is Siege One is uh, the fact that we introduced sideboarding with organized play and you'll notice that there are a lot of interesting cards in Siege One that might work well in a sideboard oh yeah definitely mm-hmm. um i think there were even uh, quite a few a, a notable number of them in in wave two for me at least where I, I felt like if there's no sideboarding then there is definitely the idea that you you are building for your local meta with uh, or at least taking some calculated risks with uh, stuff like uh, enemy combat analysis um sort of like that was a card you could run with the assumption if you knew folks in your area were excited about combiners you could run it with combiners because you'd surely run into some other five stars. But now it's a real solid sideboard piece for uh, for one of the decks I tried putting together. As someone who's not all that great at sideboarding yet, uh, I found with that card, you want to look at your star count spread. And if you've got three very different numbers, that's suddenly an enticing card to throw in. Right. And even from the characters, there were a bunch of characters in Wave 2 um, uh, that are difficult to consider including uh, just going into a random meta, but if you know that you you know you have the sideboard, you can put them there like uh, Acid Storm and Motormaster and um, uh, Torox. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it, it's uh, it's quite exciting for a lot of the player base here. I should say, over here in Toronto, um, which is located in Canada, we had a very exciting last week or so with this game. Uh, it was notable, and a bunch of us were talking about it, it was notable how much more excited every individual player was. Uh, more of us were showing up because all of our stuff, our catch-up wave, uh, dropped on May 31st. And we were having a lot of gaming happen. Uh, it was real fun. We we tried out a whole lot of, of weird decks and stuff that we just had been kind of, in some cases, some of us, some of us had been waiting to try out uh, with with a little bit less of an albatross around our neck for importing stuff. Uh, and it, it it's been real fun. And we're all starting to just realize that we're you know we're in the unique position. We have all this for a month, and then we get another new thing uh, at the end of you know <laughs> at the end of June. So yes, uh, and. Uh... Wave three will be releasing in Canada at the same time as as the rest of the the English speaking world. So we're we're caught up. Yeah. So uh, I just want to say thank you again for uh, getting all that. I'm, I'm sure part of that was uh, things like organized play in the Energon Open. It, it would have been problematic to have this territory lagged behind in such a way. Uh, yes, it it absolutely would have, but we also it was the right thing to do just because, and we'd been working for this. If we had got could have gotten this done earlier, we would have. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun looking over the Canadian Wave Two uh, booster pack specifically, because uh, I was pointing out to everyone, I was like, "Look at how packed the bilingual text is on these things." Uh, it was I, I was the only person in the room who was actually that excited about it, but that's just because I'm weird about that. Uh, it, it was. It's actually a real challenge to fit all that text on. There. It looked mm-hmm. like. It was. There is a lot of stuff in there, and and uh, it, it. I actually, this is the thing I can't remember. Uh, is it entirely on the Canadian packaging where it says English only, or is that on on all the international packaging? No, it's on the Canadian packaging. Yeah, so they had to also, or you guys had to also fit in uh, English only and in two languages. Uh, yes. So yeah, I, I was pointing out to everyone. I was like, look at all the hard work. <laughs> So someone working in graphics had to do a lot of work on this, and for at least two minutes, I want to recognize that. Yes, uh, uh, and that hard work also was done for Wave Three, and uh, we we're uh, we're hard at work on the Wave Four Canadian packaging. Phew. I just I just approved an interesting product that's not yet announced. That's going to come between Wave Three and Wave Four. Very cool. Um, mm. uh, the Canadian packaging for that product. So yes. Excellent. We are. We've got. We've got this into the queue. We're in our groove, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're. Uh. We're. We're having a good time with it. Uh. Also, quickly, I actually busted open. I picked up and busted open the new starter. Uh. With Windblade and Bumblebee, and uh, ran a friend of mine oh, nice. through a demo game of that. And I even ran it, even though it's not in the little rulebook anymore. I because I shuffled the deck and then I didn't have time to split it up. We ran it both drawing from the same deck, and that starter deck, at least the the demo I tried out, ran so smoothly and uh, specifically. Specifically, I didn't have to talk as much <clears throat> because things were just coming up uh, as we went along. Um, and there's a, I'll, maybe at the end, if we have time, I'll, I'll share specifically something in there that really worked for me. But uh, having demoed it once, at least, like that new starter deck felt leagues better than the original uh, from last year. Thanks. Uh, and that's why that starter deck, I mean, I know it was different for our Canadian friends, but um, in, in the other parts of the English speaking world, that's why that starter deck did not come out with rise of the combiners is we delayed it specifically to make a bunch of improvements that we had learned from the first starter. Yeah. Um, I, I would recommend just, if anyone is trying to demo that starter, whoever is playing Decepticons, um, make sure they go first and then explain why you may or may not want to flip Megatron or Starscream as your first attacker. Uh, like at least three rules present themselves over the course of that. And I really loved it. Um, but uh, thanks. I'll, 
I, I really appreciate the your your note there. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Uh, that that brings us to sideboarding, which I kind of wanted to open up with. Um, and I had a real specific question for you. This is this is kind of getting into design side right away because obviously. If you want to know, like, specifically what sideboarding is, the info's out there. It is 10 battle cards. It is one character who is uh, 20 stars or under, which means he can't sideboard Metroplex, uh, which is a pretty nice um, cash to have right there at the, <laughs> the very beginning. He uh, can sideboard Omega Supreme, though. Um, you sure can. And uh, I guess my, my, my main question is, uh, how did you guys arrive at 10 battle cards? Because um, ratio-wise, it caught my eye, as with Magic, your sideboard is 15 out of 60. Um, with this one, it is 10 out of 40. So is is the one-quarter ratio kind of like just a, a good rule of thumb for, for that system? So we, we think it is, and we had tested different ratios, um, but one-quarter seems to work, and for a couple of reasons. Uh, first... Um, we want there to be enough flexibility in what you can sideboard so that if you're going for a strategy where you're looking for a toolkit style sideboard where you're looking for, okay, here are the three or four things that I might have to deal with and I'm looking for sideboard cards to react to those three or four things, you could put multiple options. Mm. We don't want the sideboard to have to be so narrow that you have to effectively hedge on only trying to react to one strategy or possibly two. Um, and also, we didn't want it so big that you had answers to every possible thing, right? There, there needs to be some um, legit thought. The sideboard can't just be all the answers stuffed in there. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, we want the sideboard to be uh, about a quarter of a deck is enough to feel like if you're going for a transformational sideboard strategy, uh, where your deck does one thing in its main configuration, and then you sideboard in a different character in all 15 cards... And your deck feels like it does a different thing, like it has a different way to approach winning. Mm-hmm. But that was also a viable um, uh, tactic. And fifteen is about right. Well, too trans, too many cards, and like you can just literally switch it out into a different deck, and that that violates the kind of spirit of deck building. Yeah, or you um, mean, and- mean ten is is about right. <laughs> Sorry, ten is about right. Yeah, no, just- fifteen about fifteen's about right at Magic. Ten's about right in in a uh, forty card deck land. Yeah. Uh, and and the one character uh, that 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 was another another thing where I assume it, it was tried out to to say a star value um, in the sideboard instead of a character count, and I'm guessing that might have been again, like I said, too much of an ability to just run two two decks basically. It, it is, um, and one of the really interesting things uh, about C- War for Cybertron Siege One and continued in two, as you might guess, is that there is a lot of, of choice in characters that are six and fewer stars, a lot of choice. Um, and when we just did a star count, you could put in a whole bunch of characters in your sideboard, like a lot of character. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we need that we need sideboarding to feel like an informed decision that you make that requires some amount of skill and some amount of forethought and isn't just, let's throw a, as many possible answers as I can into the sideboard. Like, you, you still can do that, right? Like, you're just mm. limited. Um, right. your, deck need, your deck needs to have purpose, and your sideboard needs to have purpose. Yeah, and uh, it's just touching on that, that whole deck transformation thing, which I think is actually even more relevant to Transformers than it might be for, for Magic. Um, I think I, I was already 
thinking about how I've built a draw engine for Sunstorm once. I sat there thinking about whether or not to just run Sunstorm and Bombshell. They would sort of interfere with, with each other to a certain degree. And uh, immediately I thought, uh, clearly the way that sideboarding works in this game is you can build you can build a shell of about 30, 35 cards that does something uh, and then run a main team, but you can have an alternate who would benefit from the same overall effect. Like with card draw, you could run a Sunstorm deck, but hey, maybe you're in a situation where you want to side out Sunstorm for Bombshell. Uh, I feel like there's, there's, I mean, I don't know Magic super well, but but I feel like there's a lot more full-on um, reconfiguration going on with Transformers due to the, the nature of the characters. Uh, where in Magic, it, it often seems to be more about attuning to a, an opposing archetype. Um like a bit more of a reactive change in general that's true although i used to when i was playing magic uh more competitively i would um i was very fond of playing an uh an aggro control deck that would sideboard into a full control deck and sideboard in say a whole bunch of counter spells oh man okay and then sideboard out some creatures so to go into a much more control strategy and that i think that's possible in transformers not that specific thing because there's like there's not counter spells, as an example. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that people will discover some interesting ways to transform. Some of them using the shell system that you're talking about, or building a skeleton that then slots in a different Wincon character. Um, well, I, I think all of these things are. They add a lot of richness that wasn't present when you had to build a deck that could that had to take on all comers without anybody without any way to modify itself. Yeah. Well, and in Wave 2, when you guys added in cards like Vaporize or uh, Sparring Gear, where it was sort of, um, in a sense, here is here is a, a, you know, one of the Wave 1 cards, but with a different pip color and a different name. The sideboarding system also lets me start thinking about the idea of running a deck that is, say, oriented towards a certain color balance, and then with those alternate pip versions of cards, change the color balance of the deck. Uh, you know, switch from say an even an evenly handed deck to a, a more orange or blue deck. Uh, that that kind of stuff with this game is is uh, making my brain fire a whole lot. Um, yep, and I, I think there's one really interesting pip color po- possibility um, that that's uh, Siege introduces, which is mm-hmm. siding in, into bl- more black pips. Yeah, definitely, and just radically increasing your Pierce value against a deck that's turtling. Yeah, uh, the, the the whole sideboarding system. Uh, I'm 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 hoping that I can convince some more of the local folks to to give it a shot in casual because it, it's it, partly I know I noticed a, there's a lot of folks who are kind of holding off and thinking I'll I'll wait till I have to before I really start digging into this. But for myself, when I'm not very good at something in a tabletop game, you know, in this last year I've learned that just doing it more makes me more comfortable. So I'm trying to I'm trying to convince a few more of the Toronto folks uh, who may not need the convincing to play two out of three and let's actually try sideboarding as a practice. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, Aaron, I wanted to bop over to you for a second. Have you got any thoughts on sideboarding uh, that might've been crossing your head? I, I don't know how much you've gotten to play since the rules came out for it. Uh, I haven't gotten to play any. I've sat there and, and thought seriously about um, the deck that I am taking to origins and what I might do with that with now sideboarding being a thing. Um, and it's it's definitely going to add layers of like okay there's a couple things i have in in the deck that are just like this is kind of broad problem solving and so i don't know if maybe it'll be take out the 
the so-so answers to everything and put in direct answer for what I think the meta might be and then the direct answer for what I might come up against and leave some of the like middling things out mm-hmm. but that's all again it's been forever since I've really played with anything that was more than just kitchen table uh, be it magic or this so now you gotta run your kitchen table best two out of three with sideboards just hard yeah. hardcore up that kitchen table no be brutal <laughs> and you know even though even though sideboards are a thing it's it's still important for to for everyone to internalize that game one is still really important that right. sideboarded game matters a lot right um and even though the loser of game one gets a little bit of advantage in the in this the way they sideboard because they get to um, see the winner's uh, character configuration first. Mm-hmm. Um, that that the, the person who won game one is still at an advantage going into winning a match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like like yeah. If if you go in, I've, I've seen I've seen this in discussion with modern Magic. I think where there are some decks that are able to take the risk of basically giving away the first game because that will give them the data to make a much more impenetrable deck going in, but. Um, in Transformers, with the nature of this game and also being younger, I think that, yeah, you, you don't want to really build, like, a generic uh, test-the-waters deck unless you got a super good plan. Uh, although, I'm, I'm curious, like, as we go into the into the convention season with all these tourneys, the data from these tournaments seems exponentially more interesting to me now, uh, as it's going to start informing, like, what kind of worked and didn't in, uh, in sideboarding. Um, and it, there's a little, uh, actually something I wanted to bounce off here that was, uh, somewhat related. Uh, the first thing I looked for when I, when you guys put up the full documentation for this, uh, this whole <coughs> scenario was, uh, wishboarding because we do have cards that pull in stuff from out of the game. And I recently learned that in magic, uh, that stuff has to come off your sideboard when you're in sanctioned competition. Uh, so for transformers, it does not. Uh, and I was wondering if that is like in general, if, if the current, um, competitive play rules are sort of keeping things a little bit more uh, on on the less harsh level, and then like building up from there as case scenarios happen. Or uh, like, was there a particular reason to avoid the wishboard setup for the, with this game? Yeah, there was. Um, so wishboarding is it, it. I think wishes are a little. So just for everybody, wishes are cards that can go get a fetch a specific card that didn't start in the game. Um. So I. Uh, I think that it's wishboarding is a little bit on the low power end in Transformers compared to Magic, mm. uh, primarily because Magic allowed you to recurse and keep playing the wishes over and over again a lot easier than Transformers does. Yeah, uh, I, 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 and it's been a long time since I wished in Magic, but um, and it also you're basically pre sideboarding, right? Like with the wishes, it's like oh, I can go get my sideboard card. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Transformers. Uh, wishes will let you do. All. We wanted it to to retain that awesomeness and coolness because um, we don't think it's super destabilizing to be able to go wish for whatever you want. Um, mm-hmm. Just as a note to everybody who was wondering, at the end of any game where you've gotten cards from outside the game at, via a, a wish style card, they they don't stay in your deck for the next game. They have to go back to where they came from. Um, and where they came from has to be in your possession at the beginning of the game. So you can't go stand up and yell, hey, <laughs> really, really need an EMP wave. Who's got an EMP wave? And then, you know, have someone toss you one. You, you have to have it with you. 
Well, uh, kind of just um, trailing from that, uh, a scenario that was presented to me that 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 did give me a pause for thought was. Uh, the idea that, especially when you're at a tournament, for instance, like you're transporting a lot of your stuff around, um, do you think there would ever be a venue for, and this, this seems like a weird thing to say, but like a venue for wishboard registration of some kind, only because of the idea that, say, someone has everything in one box, if it gets really mixed up with their sideboard, be it by accident or otherwise, um, it's uh it's i i've known people who try to carry as little as possible when they go to tournaments yep. um and it seems like it might be risky um business only because i i feel like this is also just a year one thing um really but it seems like it might be a, an avenue of abuse or at least an avenue of um you know doing more judging judge calls than you might otherwise so right. I, I right now we think that the slow play guidelines in the dci that that are, that are standard for all DCI play, mm-hmm. um, or sorry, all organized play, cover this. If someone is taking forever to wish to define the right card, then that they, they can get a slow play penalty. Mm. Um, and we'll keep monitoring this. And if things need to change because it's not the reality of the situation in the tournament environment is not as we expected, we will be responsive as we are with any problem that crops up yeah like i said i had a, I, I got the impression that this first uh document is very much instead of starting incredibly rigid and opening up it's starting a little more open with room to get more rigid here and there uh as, as may prove necessary um although it also made me pretty excited because with a sideboard of 10 i felt like that's a lot less stuff to worry about wishboarding in uh so if i you know if it works out, then that is great for me because I, I don't want to have to worry about the ten also being my only options for ancient wisdom comboing. Right. right. Um, that's uh, that's about all that I've really got for sideboard right now. Aaron, anything else on your end? No. All right, then uh, the whole organized play thing. This is this is leading through a tournament series. So if I remember correctly, uh, the first major tournament is going to be at uh, Origins, which is this yep. month. Yeah. Next, not this weekend, but next weekend. Correct. Hi, editor note. Obviously, that was as of the time of that recording. And uh, that is going to be the first major sanctioned tournament that's going to be relevant to the Energon Open, which is kind of the finale. Uh, that's the, that, the Energon Invitational. That's the big finale. The Opens are the ones oh, that I'm happen. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, we're going good. And Open just, we call them Opens because it's anybody who has registered the event can show up. There's no prerequisite other than attending origins which requires a you know a badge but hmm. um you don't need anything other than that to, other than register and show up yeah uh, and i'm just gonna i'm gonna give a quick plug to my co-workers uh you will be able to hang out and meet uh john short and ken nagel at origins uh at the origins open they will both be present all right and uh then you know if you want to win over john short if i recall correctly bring him some of that safeway sushi uh, yeah, that that's that's my stop before I get there. It's just Safeway. <laughs> just a huge bag. And you're like, hey, what's up? Yeah, it's only been in my car for four hours. That's cool, right? Yeah, I think there's a logistical uh, issue with your attempted bribe. Um, <laughs> might looks okay on the surface, but once you start digging into it, literally. Uh, uh, now that's his problem at that point. Well, it's what he gets for not being here this time. <laughs> Harsh. Um, also true, but harsh. 
anyway, don't don't bring old sushi to people uh, as a as a baseline. Please don't. Um, Please don't. Also, who knows? I, I don't know Origins rules. They might have rules about carrying food in, which means you need to sneak that sushi in, and that's going to smell your bag up. So you know, be be smart about it. But that's very cool uh, that you get to talk to John and uh, and Ken. Um, and uh, the prizes at Origins also involve uh, some, I guess, what two week early siege packs, uh, if I remember correctly. That that is correct. So everybody who enters one of the preliminary events um, uh, will get a a siege pack, and then the top eight will get a booster box. Uh, in the final 32 player final, the top eight of that will get a a sealed booster box of Siege One, uh, which is about two weeks early. Yep. And uh, uh, quick note: you can't play any Siege cards in any events until it's officially released. So that means those packs that you get for entering, you can't crack them open and say play uh, Siege Shockwave in a deck. No, don't do it. You you will get a penalty. Yeah, and they they very clearly say Wave Three at the bottom. Uh, there's no way to sneak that through. Um, nope. Because because some you know there's a lot of folks uh, I believe you mentioned this in one of your other recent interviews there's a lot of folks in Transformers TCG who are also new to TCGs in general. Um, if you are attending one of these events, I would also say go get yourself a fresh pack of dark backed um, matte sleeves just for safety's sake. Um, because mm-hmm. in tournament settings and it's in it's in the rules, but this is standard across a lot of TCGs. You you you, you can't be able to see the cards through the sleeve backs. Um, I mean, you can get away with it, but it leaves you open to judge call stuff that judges don't even like dealing with. So it, it, it's a it's a very safe thing to just go for some dark, um, very opaque sleeves. Um, yep, and I, I our our friends at Ultra Pro make Transformers branded um, sleeves that are black sleeve opaque black black back sleeves with uh, the Autobot or Decepticon faction symbol on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the I think the the general rule of thumb that you're getting at there is. When your cards are face down, they should be indistinguishable from one another. Yeah, right. And I have some confidence, you know, monkey paw, I guess, confidence that <laughs> that uh, ours is not a game that is going to have someone, at least on year one, trying to do some, um, mani- not manipulation, I guess, but man- maneuvering through the rules to try to pull off disqualifications or the like. Uh, but it's a good practice to pick up so that if that scenario ever comes up, you're you're protected. Um, you know what? And the, the staff that at Pastimes Games who will be um, administrating the event at Origins and at Gen Con and at the PAX Invitational, mm-hmm. they are an experienced staff of judges who have been judging for Wizards events for a very, very long time. Yeah. So um, those guys and gals know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, always at the end of the day, especially if you're a new player, like like trust in the judge. If if you don't know what's what's going on, call the judge over. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's it's going to be exciting to see uh, what the results are from Origins before we head into Gen Con, uh, which I believe is the second major event. That's right. Uh, so that's uh, Gen Con is August first through fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought today that Gen Con four day passes are are. They're burning through those passes, so if you haven't gotten a pass to Gen Con and you want to attend, make sure you get a, a, a badge to Gen Con. I was in, um, inches away from figuring out if I could make it there, but it just isn't in the cards for me travel-wise. Ah, I will be at Gen Con, along with Scott Van Essen. Alright, so don't bring sushi to Gen Con. Um, bring grapple paraphernalia to Gen Con. Yeah. <laughs> if, if only I'd held off on shipping that, so... Oh, see, here, I was thinking tacos, but... You jump me to, to to grapple. I'm keeping it on top. Ta- tacos. That's the way to buy you off. Okay. I'm trying to think. 
Trying to think if I know a good taco place in Indy. I'll find one. Oh, boy. I'll also mention, Please. like, there's a, a section in the rules that quite, I believe, quite literally <laughs> says, head, header, cheating. Uh, yes. Don't do things that are cheating. <laughs> don't do things that are really obviously blatantly cheating. Like, like for example, trying to bribe the development staff. Especially when the developers are not the judges, so it would be really weird to try to bribe them to win. Yeah. I'm not trying to bribe them. I'm just trying to elicit um, bribes. No, wait. Yeah, the vocabulary just trickled out there. That's all right. That happens this to me. Is, this is not the way to get Omega Supreme in the game. I'm not trying to. This is a... So, so wait, no. This will keep Omega Supreme out of the game? So if Aaron just keeps claiming that's what he wants, it's going <laughs> to... Uh, which uh, I, I guess can... Cause, I mean, you know, Gen Con will have, a, I believe, a, a similar prizing structure to... Um, origins uh, if i recall correctly yes uh, yes so except instead of a box of uh war for cybertron siege one for the top eight in the final event there uh you there is a not yet announced transformers tcg product which i'm very excited for when we announce which hopefully will be in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh so uh, but but yes everybody who also ent- pays to enter preliminary event will get a uh, pack of siege one and also, everybody who gets in the top 16, just like in Origins, will get an in- invitation to the uh, Energon Invitational and a three-day PAX badge. Right. And then uh, this, this, is all, this is all culminating with the Energon Invitational, but aside from those, those two events, the other ways to, to qualify are um, there, there's something, is it PAX Tabletop where there's something happening? So there'll be some last chance qualifiers at PAX Tabletop, which basically are, um, uh, if you're at PAX Tabletop, there'll be... A, a small number of events, and if you win that event, you will get an invitation to uh, the, the the actual invitation, hmm. the Energon Invitational. And then um, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty standard. Wizards has been doing last chance qualifiers for a long time; they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other way, which I think you were going to mention, is in store play. Yes, uh, through WPN stores, there should be. Um, is it going to be like one major event, or is it going to be attached to just uh, like general um, registered events? So it is one event that we have created in WER, which is the Wizards Event Reporter, and that's the software that you use to create and and run events for uh, Wizards games. Mm -hmm. Uh, That one event is an Energon Invitation Qualifier, um, and we created it for every store who was qualified. And those those qualified stores are the ones who, um, participating stores are the ones who ordered a in-store play kit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that's the store owner can go in and they'll see the event waiting for them. And then they can reschedule that event to whichever date that they, they want to uh, run that event. And then they can set that as a constructed event or they can set it as a limited event for sealed deck. Very cool. Cause okay. uh, all of that does culminate with the Energon Invitational, uh, which has its own much more unique prize structure. Uh, yes. There are uh, monetary prizes. Some of the top prizes also include Siege toy releases. Uh, and the yes. first place winner gets to uh, work with you guys to create a character card. That is correct. And that is something that I am super excited for. So we did this with Kaijudo pretty regularly, and it was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to run this again. Uh this is this is your chance, should you win, to get Omega Supreme in the game. Caveat: If Hasbro Transformers team approves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm uh, like with Transformers and and f- people who are fans of the franchise. The longer you're with it, the more you realize uh, 
it's it's not just that you know you might want to get your favorite character in there but you might have to you know for instance you might not be able to use a certain likeness of that character or a certain version of them you might not be able to use specifically their name as you remember it but uh there is still quite a wide open palette to work with in transformers and uh, also in the toy line a lot of real creative ways to get around characters who otherwise probably couldn't have been in the toy line anymore um so I, I think that any, anyone's idea is probably going to work out as long as it isn't Circuit Breaker. Uh, that That's fully off the table. Um, um, I think that was editorializing there. Well, I'm just, oh, oh I'm just saying, I, I, Circuit Breaker's in a very unique position for a number of reasons, but uh, among them being well, you guys probably don't want to have a human character appear in this thing. Oh, I'm misremembering who you're talking about. Circuit Breaker, yeah, Circuit was... Breaker was the Marvel Comics character that she what got like cyborgified. She's the naked lady covered in blue circuit <laughs> yeah. lines who could shoot electricity uh, and whose ownership got so weird uh, that she actually. Oh yeah, yeah, she, not her. She she can't exist anywhere right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's not do her. Yeah. <laughs> that said, though, if we if someone can come up with a real creative way to get that Dr. Archiville in a big cyborg chair in the game, like, of course, I'm, I'm always down for that. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to see how this all turns out. I mean, I would like for Omega Supreme to make his way into the game sooner than later. Uh, but, you know, I understand other people might have other lesser characters that they're into who they want to put in there. I, who knows? Maybe the person who wins is going to be like, hey, can you guys do uh, Optimus Prime? And you'll be like, well, we did him. He's like, oh. <laughs> But you know what? We'll do them again, yeah. and we'll do the version of Optimus Prime to the best of our ability. And Hasbro's and Hasbro, the Hasbro team will work with us. Um, you know, there's no this isn't a this isn't a no generator situation, right? Yeah. Like we're all going to collaborate as much as possible to make the intent of the the winner, you know, to, subject to that final check. Yeah, happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited, and so. Just a little bit more about that. That that means the person will get to pick the ca- all this is subject to the terms and conditions, which you can find out on an announcement page. And I have to say that, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll work with the person on which existing character uh, the card is and what version of that character, and um, if it's a specific version of the character, how that is played out in the game mechanics that represent what that character and that version of the character can do. Um, uh, we're also open to. Um, uh, a little bit of work on, you know, the specific game design for that, and uh, we'll be in constant contact with the person. Yeah, this is it, it, it. It's a lot of fun, guys. It sounds like it's not like name a character and you better get it right, but like obviously, even if someone says Optimus Prime, it could be suggested. For instance, like, all right, well, here's some yeah. really interesting Optimus Primes. I would, I would love to see, uh, like, to some, so there's some real niche stuff that could be fun to bounce off of someone who maybe just doesn't have like a real. T- specific idea of what they want like there was uh, a black and gold optimus prime released a few years ago um in titan's return whose headmaster titan master uh, was designed to be a weird little skateboarding robot called grindor I thought, no no shredicus maximus um yeah. who, who came with his own little skateboard that he could ride around on uh there's there's stuff you know <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff, and I'm sure that that the community will help people who, um, you know, who whose Transformers knowledge is not as deep as others, because it's a great community, and I, I think that uh, this person will have a lot of opportunity to get what they want. From. And and uh, someone who definitely should at least get a small education in the great character that is Omega Supreme, um, you know, or more. 
Well, uh, we'll, we'll see what I can do about that. <laughs> see, you you could come to Origins, you could come to Gen Con, you could stay on my couch for Gen Con, but no. Well, yeah, I'll just walk there because um, you know I can skip the travel costs and everything. And it'll then I'll be ready. Yeah. I'll be I'll be brain fit yeah. and ready to do yeah. battle. Uh, just be thinking about what decks you're going to be playing. Just <laughs> just beautiful mind games the whole walk. That's right, Aaron. Aaron, am I going to see you at Gen Con? Yeah, I'll be there. Fantastic. <laughs> Yep, it's where we met. Come on, man. Still no proof just, that no, Aaron and I are different people, but uh, I don't actually go to every Gen Con, so you know, I just want to check to make sure you're yeah. coming. Yeah, no, I'll be there mostly running Robo Rally, but now I have a very legitimate excuse to be like, "Look, I want this afternoon off to get in at least one of these uh, invitational rounds." Yeah, are you are you part of the crew that makes the custom Robo Rally boards? Yeah, really? I'm, I'm I'm one of the guys that kicks those robots all weekend. So you're part of the group that did the the Rob, the Robo Rally board a few years ago that got exponentially larger. That that's the giant Lego one. Yeah. yeah. That's in the Serpentine lobby every year. Yes. Wow. All right. I I I got to watch the the guy that that built it and programmed all of it have an argument with Richard Garfield over how conveyor belts work. And and Richard Garfield's the guy that designed the game in the first place. So yeah. that w- that was a fun thing to be sitting there, manning the control board behind everything, just going, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah." Uh, he has the notebook at home that has his handwriting of how the rules really are. Yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, I have a feeling mean. that we we met on at at that event. Maybe you should uh, meet up at that event again this year. Yeah. Just saying, might, I might do that. Just saying, just, he's not going to be—he's not going to be there. I think it would be really cool if you guys. You know, I, I love Robo Rally, FYI. I'm a huge Robo Rally fan. I have a sealed first edition Robo Rally sitting on my shelf. Nice. I've always uh, almost picked up that game, but every time I've been in a position to play it, someone else has it. So it's become one of those games that I haven't picked up because I, I feel like I'm never going to need to have it. Uh. That's a weird tabletop conversation you can have, though, on a greater spectrum. Yep, yep, <laughs> um, yep. Spectrum. Yeah. Uh, every, every, everyone who's ever um, had a, their own games library, as far as I know, can can attest to that. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the uh, Energon uh, Invitational stuff, uh, that's that's kind of year... That's capping off year one of Transformers TCG as well, for the, you know, in a rough scale. Uh, right, and the, the timing of the Invitational is such that um, Siege... Wave two will have come out not too long before that. Ooh! So it'll be it'll be a new meta game. Oh um, boy, who's going to take the risks then? Because yeah, if you if you got your invitation, that was on the back of a deck that you that could be completely different by the time you get there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There'll be there'll be it, it, the the meta game will definitely have a lot of cool and exciting stuff. And and when we're talking about the invitation, we're talking about people who have demonstrated already high level of skill at the Transformers trading card game. So it's an exciting moment for them to go into a relic, a new environment and, and show off their chops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron, you got to get in there so you can get me my scream. Cause I'm sure that's what you would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what are you looking for? Anything but scream. I don't care. <laughs> Any of the other action master elites. We're down with this. Uh, that would be the real kick in the teeth. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I'd, I wasn't even thinking that. I was... I've actually been through this once. BotCon um, some years ago did an Action Master Elite, but it it was Double Punch. <laughs> I remember at the time, I had a very 99% faux outrage response to it. 
Uh, but yeah, but that one, but that one percent was the kernel of a rage that has not yet subsided. It, I mean, yeah. you've been hearing it the every time you show up here. That one that <laughs> nobody remembers. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Aaron's going to have a chance. I'm going to have a chance through a store uh, competition, hopefully. Uh, and all of you listening are going to have a chance. So let's all get together, put our heads together, play some good games, and make sure Omega Supreme is the card that comes out of that. And if you're lucky enough to have multiple stores in your area that are that are participating and in, in running uh, invitation. Uh, in energon invitation qualifiers i mean you can go to more than one right as long as we can get mm-hmm. them to not run them all on the same day uh that'll be the the main thing uh hopefully they're all listening to this so they know not to do that um aaron you got any other comments on the uh the major tourney events uh no coming up? i'm 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 excited to get in on it yeah do you got do you got i mean i can't ask drew because that's kind of asking uh inside the house but aaron you got any predictions on what might be like some of the harder decks to deal with no idea. All right. I mean, TFCon LA, I never would have thought that uh, Metroplex would be as dominating as that was. And then it won. A couple different people had Metroplex decks that just mopped everything up. We warned everyone. It's true. Yeah. It's, we told you guys. Yeah. yeah. And now every every time new stuff is coming out, I'm also noticing like all the very subtle ways that like we we added a star to this, or you know, sideboarding is twenty stars or under is all these very small subtle like Metroplex is very powerful. Everybody, <laughs> um, yeah. Parts of, so, of the way the game set up. So that's like one of the things I was considering of just build the anti bold deck. Why? Because yeah, <laughs> just like like if all I can do. After paying my $30 or whatever to get in and play is beat one Metroplex deck, that'll be a win for Aaron. Well, and also, like, ruin the day of anyone running fire cons. Uh, well, those aren't legal yet. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're a Gen Con, they're going to be. Yeah. Gen Con, yeah, they'll, they'll totally be legal. And I, I suspect you're going to see a couple fire cons teams because they are they seem like they're built to be, like, here's common aggro. Uh, mm-hmm. You can put together pretty pretty quickly. And also, you know, uh, if you're doing that, the W5 Gyroblaster is your friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, w- that I, I saw that card and was like, that's what I need for the deck, and I can't put it in it yet. Yeah. <sighs> well. But, but you've got Acid Storm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you, and by the time Gen Con's here, you can, you can have the Gyroblaster. Um, mm-hmm. you, can, you can have it with Satsiki or without. No one's made that joke yet, I bet. That's because there's a Greek, yeah. Greek rap called a gyro, gyro, but it's spelled gyro. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> Wednesdays, Wednesdays at Watsi or Gyro Day at the cafe. Oh, you must have enjoyed this card then. And uh, John Shork, who uh, I don't think you've gotten this, but is a noted master of puns, um, may have made that that comment earlier. He stole it from me. I I, I got to mail it to myself. No, you're just you're just on the same wavelength, man. Oh man, I also had that. That that's a mean thing to say about. I Chris. had some cheap sushi the other day too, and I I didn't mind it. And okay, well, speaking as as Canada's John Shork, uh, I had a couple other slightly more granular questions from the the greater rules document that were still on the back of my head, but um, I will answer to the best of my ability. But I just want to let you know that this Friday's rules roundup will be addressing a lot of. Uh, community question about uh, and I, I, I have directed a couple of tourney organizers towards that email address uh, in, oh, many, many thanks uh, yeah I, because I, I also was like I, I got some info from them of like some ideas to have for, for stuff we could talk about but I also told them like if you wanted to get straight to rules people like that's going to be the way um, 
There was one that was that was interesting to me even before I, I read into the more granular sense of it because it is very different from Magic's rules, uh, and that is the uh, the electronic devices uh, chapter. Um, granted, this game has an app, which I believe is somewhat of the motivation behind uh, the decisions in that section. Um, and I, I did a bit of testing. Now, th- that section is that electronic devices are allowed for note-taking and for the app, but just those two things. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you receive a phone call, you, you can take it if it is not pertaining to the game. Um, I my, my first thing is I feel like the, the most important thing is having a notepad open and having the the LifeKeeper app open for TCG. I tried doing both with my phone in airplane mode and Wi-Fi turned off, and uh, the relevant apps still work, which I believe mitigates most of the qualms that were raised to me when when I was discussing this with one of the TOs. Uh, that was the intent. Uh, that's it was spe- the app was specifically designed so that it would it could function without a data connection. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because it's it's a, it's a utility, right? Like you, right. you need to be able to use it. Because I'm I'm just wondering if if it might be. Uh, pertinent to folks running tournaments to just add that as as maybe a stipulation for use of electronic devices because it, it really solves every um every little crease and crinkle that exists when an electronic device is up and running attached to the internet like you know you get a text message it pops up at the top of the screen uh and then it becomes a, a query of like was that someone texting you something that they can see from on the other side of the room or was that something else um, or, or receiving calls, which to me seems like it could just become problematic for everyone involved if you are actually like just going, hold up, I got to take this call, which isn't about the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, I'm wondering if it might be just something to throw out to tourney organizers that like if, if you just stipulate they got to be in airplane mode, that might solve everything. But um, And, you know, tourney organizers have a lot of latitude in how they run their events yeah. as long as they're in accordance with the, the, the rules. So, you know... Uh, that that is a great suggestion for tournament organizers who have uh, customers and players who are concerned. Yeah, I I think that it, it it seals up a lot of things because obviously like the the goal is like the app is a tool that is that is um, official. It, it's a way to to just run things with it. Like if you if you don't have access to counters or whatever, and if you want to keep your deck list in it, like I can see why you would want the app available. Um, but I yeah, but right before we recorded, I actually had that. Probably not all that genius idea of trying out airplane mode, and uh, yeah, it totally works. Um, no, that was that was a good idea. That's a good thing for to let people know. I wouldn't have remembered to say that. Yeah, because um, you know, and just just just, just diving into this for a second, the broad rules cover all of these situations. Hmm. Outside information transmitted to you in any way, uh, whether it's semaphore, smoke signals, Morse code, or a telephone or text call, is cheating. And you know if right. you're caught at that, you're you're caught, and and the penalties will be applied. And life totals and and publicly available information inside the game state must be displayed and and available to both players on request as listed in the rules. Mm-hmm. So having an electronic device on the table for you so you can take notes or so you can use the the companion app to track uh, health and damage um, doesn't ab- absolve a player of the the, the cardinal rules of don't cheat. Yeah. And don't misrepresent the game state. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, like I've said before, I feel like the nature of the player base for this game is one where I, I don't feel in year one, you're going to have, um, you know, double digits of people all trying to figure out ways to, 
like you said, like send each other um, coded messages through text that pop up for half a second at the top of the app if they aren't in airplane mode. But uh, from a TO perspective, I can see like wanting to just zone in immediately on on these potentials. Um, in in general, like we're we're all uh, just looking forward to seeing how this stuff runs. That's that's the main thing. Is like suddenly this game has uh, has changed in in both its scope and in a little bit in its um i guess what you could call it your its underlying seriousness to a degree um and i've seen also reactions uh, in, in multiple directions of how that's changing the tone of the game for them overall but um it feels like the spirit still in general is is one of ages eight and up would would that be correct to say like even though the the rules say if you're under 12 you have to have parental permission it seems like even these tourney rules to a degree are taking into account that kind of that that base mission statement yeah the mission statement hasn't changed this is still a game for transformers fans of a number of ages and a number of different skill levels uh the, the fact that we have now organized play i think allows structure to happen but as with our, our other games you know there are there are Inside Magic, for example, there are events that people run in the organized play system that are official and sanctioned that are for new players and learning events. And they're, they're the highest level of play at the MPL. And similar to Transformers, the, the, the nature and tenor of the game, um, OP allows for all of these expressions. And you don't have to participate in OP. If you just want to play in a, the, the way people have been playing before, that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say if you are someone who is averse to some of the more high level stipulations uh, and and you know organized play stuff, like make it clear to your game store that you want a venue to play on a casual level. Um, that that to me is is the big thing to do right now. Um, in Toronto, for instance, we still have casual nights, and I, I think it's very valuable that we still do um, because you also yep. WPN store owners are familiar with this. Uh, we've been doing this with Magic for a long time. There are still cat. There are casual play nights for Magic, and a lot of the structure that we have for the the Transformers TCG builds off of things that we have been doing and practicing with uh, as a company. And our local game store owners in the WPN uh, system have been enacting for years now, so it's not unfamiliar. Mm. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's it's. One of one of the more frightened reactions I saw was just that like is this game going to turn into a top eight decks or whatever one runs etc. And I think I think we're a little fortunate in that the game has had to survive about three quarters of a year on casual alone. Um, and it seems like on your guys' end, like the the attitude is still one of wanting to have this game be able to have its loud ridiculous moments uh, first and foremost. Um, yes, absolutely, it needs to be Transformers. Yeah, see, like it's, it's, it's. I, I just have doubts myself that it's going to orient. It's weird to say with Drew sitting right in the room, but to to you, the listener, I have doubts that this is going to like move itself towards being like as streamlined a metagame as like a very hard version of standard Magic or you know like like a lot of the top eights in modern Magic right now. Um, it, it seems unlikely to me at the moment. Uh, so yeah, we'll see where things go. But uh, I have one other little rules thing. This is mostly actually a PSA, and then I have a couple other fun things I wanted to ask you about. Um, but my little PSA first. I'm sure you guys have probably seen the reaction here and there. I myself and many people in Toronto were guilty of it too because we only saw one thing and didn't see the header at the top. Uh, 
the rules for determining the winner of a an unfinished single elimination game involve flipping <laughs> pips off the top. Uh, yes. And whoever has the most orange pips. Now, determining winner by flipping orange pips is the part most of us read first. Uh, and I, I want to add here, in case you, you, the listener, hadn't caught it, that is for the case of both a single elimination tournament game that also is somehow not running to its completion, even when the appendix of the rules suggests that those games should always run to the end of, of completion. Uh, that is the scenario for the orange pip flip. I am curious, is that in the rules just so there is something in the rules for stores that just run into a time crunch in that scenario? or? That, that's correct. There needs to, So one of the things that we found is that there needs to be an official way for a game to have a an ending in situations where that are extreme, right? And mm-hmm. like we're talking about a, an odd extreme case here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we could have picked any number of ways. Orange Pips was a fun way that very, very, and I'm talking about hundredths of a percent, leans towards um, games that would naturally finish anyway. Mm-hmm. So... Yes. It, and it bears repeating. The appendix does imply, like, those games also should be running to completion if possible uh, anyway. Right. And and there's already another, like, breaker in front of it. Yes, that's the thing. If there's, it's not the, the first tiebreaker. It's, in fact, lower down in the list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it's for situations that are basically resolvable. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to throw that PSA in here because uh, I'm very much one of the people who had only caught part of that information and was very much blinking a few times uh at first. Uh in an actual best of 3, it's it's much more akin to Magic's rules where um you you determine a turn 0. With Transformers you just have one more turn after that uh and then it is whatever the result of that is. Um very cool. Uh Aaron, do you have any other uh questions about the formal play rules? No, I read through them all, and I don't know if there's any of them that aren't reasonable. Uh, well, like there's, yeah. Thanks, guys. It, no, I, um, you know, it's you know, as we've said before, you guys are already coming from a place of, of having had rule sets before. Um, uh, this this was really a team effort, but I want to give a specific call out to Matt Tayback mm-hmm. as rules manager and Chris Kulak mm-hmm. from the organized play group, um, who put a lot of work into this. Yeah. I mean, I like that there's even, you know, your timings for booster drafts to as as guidelines for, you know, to help stores out that maybe ha- are newer and maybe haven't done this sort of thing with Magic before. So mm-hmm. it, it definitely seems like it's a very well-rounded document. And somebody who half of his job is looking at technical documents, thumbs up. Well, I should throw out, there was a big praise on a tournament organizer level as well. Uh, and by the way, the, the main TO I was talking to was Saul over at Three Kingdoms Games by Eglinton Station in Toronto. Uh, Saul is one of the biggest pushers on a store level for Transformers in Toronto. It's very, I believe it is very much thanks to him in part that the game managed to, to build some roots before we you know got all caught up. Uh, and he likes to go through these rules in, in Minushi. So he actually put up a video on Three Kingdoms YouTube channel channel, uh, which is him going through the formal play rules to to um, translate them into more layman terms for, for the player perspective. Um, and one thing he mentioned to me that, uh, again, this is the kind of thing I, I just wouldn't have caught, is the minimum number of registered players for a registered event for Transformers is four, uh, as, yep. as opposed to uh, Magic, which I believe needs eight. 
And that I thought was fantastic. Um, actually, to pass on Saul's sentiment, he actually wishes that that was the case with magic as well. Um, because it, from my limited experience, it's so much easier to get four people together to agree to do a thing than it is eight. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's going to encourage, I think, a lot more players, at least in our area, to get together. Um, also, because we're going to be able to finally run registered booster drafts, which we've all kind of been wanting to do for a while. Uh, I- I'm really happy that it's a lowered minimum from Magic. Uh, it's just it feels way more realistic for this game as well, being a younger game. Uh, yep, so. and we have a lot of stores that are signing up with the. The first time that they signed up to do anything Transformers was with the uh, in-store play kit for Wave Three. There was we've seen a lot of growth there, mm-hmm. and we we know that as communities grow, we you know it's unreasonable to expect eight players on a given night a new game. So we wanted to give again that flexibility. It, it harkens back to the same theme that we have had in in a lot of our other decisions is putting uh, flex a lot of flexibility in how stores can can do their business when it comes to Transformers. Mm. Yeah, uh, that that was that was really nice to see. Um, it's, it's four is just four, it's hard to explain from a player perspective until you've been through it. But four is so much more like doable than eight in a way you might not even expect. It, yeah, it's something like that. It's exponentially harder to get eight people than four because it's not just double. It's also and everybody wants to do the same thing. Yeah. Yep. You know, a, a game that fires is better than a game. And I have been in so many draft nights that had seven people hanging on, and one person leaves, and another person mm-hmm. shows up. Yep. And it's like, oh. I mean, we we just had a big sealed uh, event over here for the launch of Wave Two in Canada, and we had seven people because one person couldn't get the night off work. Uh, and that's a perfect example as well. Seven is like a very it's odd. Seven is a very achievable number, particularly when you need eight. It's some kind of cosmic mm-hmm. law. Uh, <laughs> Also, patting myself on the back, I won that tournament, so go me. Congratulations. Congratulations, man. So six-pack sealed. I opened Ruckus and Autobot Nova Star, and uh, it worked out. It was certainly not easy. I had to work a lot for those last two games in the three, last two rounds in the three-round system. I mean, you are pay, you, you, the gamble that you're taking is one that we hope we wanted people to have actively choose to do or not do, which is raw stats versus flexibility. And you know what? Especially in limited, those raw stats were raw stats. Like I I was Mm -hmm. fortunate that I also had mounted missiles available to me and I had a lot of just raw stat upgrades available. Uh, I was actually able to switch between leap of faith or energized field for my second star, depending on the situation. Um, but yeah, it was to the point where I had to start to explain to a couple people, like, no, these characters actually aren't broken in Sealed. Uh, I lucked out a little bit that y'all didn't manage to build, like, a ridiculous synergy out of what y'all have, but I lucked out that I have some raw stat cards. Like, I ran even orange and blue pips as well when Energized Field wasn't in. Uh, this is a lot of tactics, a lot of thinking. Anyway, that's me patting myself on the back. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on that for a second, because, um, Six pack sealed is a lot of fun. We really enjoy it, uh, and I know that I've 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 been uh, praising Turbo in in some past times we've discussed. But I gotta say, six packs um, we have a lot of stuff that's interesting build choices built into Wave Two, and you'll see it in Wave Three. Mm-hmm. Um, S- sealed is super interesting. 
with two bots a pack in wave three, sealed is super interesting for your character build. So we were mm. actually a, l- a little hesitant to go. Uh, we, we were thinking for wave three, we might some of the stores might dial back to four pack sealed only because there's two characters per pack. And with six pack, it sometimes feels um, with wave. It felt like with wave one at times there was a bit of a, an overly large depth of choice. Do you think six? Would you say six pack still works well for uh, Siege One? It's it's less. Imp- the the issue is less character cards. Yes, there's a lot of choices in the, in the card build, um, but the important thing here is six packs gives you the battle cards you need to build a a, a interesting and, and um, what we feel is healthy sealed deck pool. All right, uh, I got to remember to pass that along because we are also in, in Toronto. We're all kind of talking about what to do at the end of the month, so uh, that's good to know. Um, Oh, where was I going from that? Uh, right, I was patting myself on the back. Uh, let's do that again. Uh, I wanted to say I'm really enjoying seeing, uh, because Siege 1 has so much original art for the, the battle cards this time around, uh, I'm really enjoying watching, you, you know, I have a lot of priorities about um, the artists and the credit they receive, obviously, from our discussions before. Uh, it's a lot of fun watching the artists getting to start doing you know after the full-on spoiler happens uh they're doing kind of their own second spoiler of hey i did the colors on this card or or josh perez just Mm -hmm. today uh sharing that he did the inking and uh or lines and colors for um point defense system and frag toss uh and josh perez is is one of the most um talented artists who who does not often get to just do full-on lines and colors outside of his his prints uh, that it is fantastic to see him getting a venue to do that with this game, especially because the artwork for Frag Toss and Point Defense System showcase a whole lot of the stuff I think Josh is best at. Uh, kinetic action, um, very large animated-looking light shows and explosions with reflective coloring across reflective surfaces. Um, so I just wanted to throw out there, I'm really enjoying seeing... Uh, what feels like the artists taking a lot more ownership of the battle card art that they're that you know that's appearing. Um, I'll put the call out again. Hopefully, people are collecting all of this information in a spreadsheet because uh, I'm too lazy to. But uh, it seems like it's really turning out well. And, and Siege Two uh, is that going to be original battle card art as well? Yes, it is all original battle card art, nice. and uh, even more, uh, and even more significantly. Uh, original character card art as well. Oh, that's exciting. I hope that the artists all keep, you know, when they get the opportunity, like attaching their names to what they work on, just so it's even more clear, like what to um, specifically bring them when they're at a convention and you might want to get them to sign something. Yeah. And we hear you and we're working to make sure that artists have the ability to uh, talk about the the work that they did and the specific roles that they played on, on character cards. We want, we, we want this to happen. We love our art team. Yeah. Uh, we're looking. There, there's a lot of great art. Um, I it just final signed, sealed, and delivered uh, wave four uh, to the printers. Um, and there's a lot of great stuff. Well, Ken Christensen has done some amazing pieces for us for uh, uh, characters for wave four. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the team at Keywords and all of the artists that they work with uh, did a great job. At, just a, a very minor, minor spoiler for Wave 4. But uh, in Wave 4, the Autobots find a way to, to uh, return that frag to its center. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that some of the small narratives you've talked about in the battle cards might carry across the two sets. That sounds, gr- yep. that sounds great. <laughs> uh, 
they do it in a really interesting way. Uh, so props to Matt Smith who did concepting. So the, the way art works at Wizards is for Transformers is um, game design and creative will sit down and have discussions. And this will happen over the course of the game design of a set. And then once the card de- game design is uh, almost complete and finalized, uh, creative will write card concepts for each of these cards, which involves uh, a, tit- a proposed title and a proposed art description. Mm-hmm. And then that will get tightened up um, along with game design. So there might be some ways that game design can say, oh, that's a great concept. If I made these little tweaks, we can bring the card concept and the game design a little bit closer together. And then when that's finalized, an art director, who for Wave 3 was me, and for Wave 4 it was Shanna Duncan, um, uh, the art director works with individual uh, artists and uh, keyword studios, formerly Volta, um, and uh, to actually create the art. Mm-hmm. And at, at Keywords, um, uh, Sarah is the, the art director there on the Transformers projects, and so she sort of o- she oversees the art direction based on our art descriptions. And then for the, uh, the sketches, for the pencils for the character cards, that's a Watsi art director. And I, I got to say, I'm extremely hyped to have discovered that Sarah got to do some battle card art as well, uh, squish them like bugs, uh, I had a f- I was looking at that art, just thinking this this feels solid. Who did this? And she she dropped that I was one of hers. And uh, I'm I'm really into this. I'm really into this. I mean, I know that we can't get this for every single wave necessarily, but uh, this is making the siege waves exponentially more exciting to me uh, on an art level. Uh, yep. Um, and as I mentioned before, but I just it's important to we'll be going back to IDWR, probably alternating back and forth, mm-hmm. um, okay. or doing a mix of IDW comic art and uh, original comic art because it both of these have an important place for the transformers tcg mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just a small this is this is again this is this might be a little bit too far in the door can you say whether or not the sibling card to frag toss still starts with the word frag one second all right <laughs> <laughs> no oh, okay no. man all right so for no but i but I can tell you, it's part of a three or four card visual story that's told in battle cards. All right, it's not across three or four whole waves, is it? No, no. The, the okay. story is in wave four. The battle greatest cards. story over twenty twenty two to get the last image. <laughs> this is in fact the true TCG fiction. Uh, so that, that's also hey, there's info for whoever it is that makes those. I can't fathom them. Those big alphabetized fill in the slots and predict what the cards are spreadsheets. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't start with frag. I don't know if that's data for you or not, but there you go. Yeah, squish, squish them like bugs is, is just been on my mind because also that seems like a very cool effect. Um, I, I listened into the spoiler you, you guys did with Sabertron uh, for that one, and uh, that also seems like a real fun a real fun Metroplex effect. Yes, it was. So we look back at, at existing archetypes when we do game design, and we continue to add in a few things to older archetypes to help keep them fresh and current and evolving with the the meta game and provide new tools. And that one was one of the things that we had designed with a bunch of characters, but, but specifically also with Metroplex in mind. Would, uh, just going off that line of thought, something I'm curious about, um, obviously combiners would be one of those archetypes, but would you say something like Devastator would be considered a separate archetype as well, since he is, has that tower mechanic? He is, but he's also a separate archetype because he has six small characters that start and play, which is... Hmm unusual so he's he's sort of a a, a, two separate types of things that you can be doing 
for Devastator. It is not to be underestimated the abil- the the advantage of having six small star characters in play at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, it's l- little little design things like that. I love I love. Uh, I well, I've said this before. I continue to love learning about that stuff, and it gives me a lot of confidence for Metroplex as well. I I, I appreciate that you guys are still supporting Metroplex uh, while also clearly needing to do a lot of work to make sure he does not become ridiculously overpowered. Yep. Um, do you have any other favorite uh, pieces of art that you, from Wave Four guys? Oh, I mean, Squishman like bugs is a big one for me. I I, I like it's a, it was sort of the obvious choice, but not in the bad way. I appreciate the um, I forgot the card name now. It was in that that block of spoilers as well. But Starscream with Megatron's cannon. Um, oh uh, yeah, that was a really fun one. Yeah, like that's that's not yeah. like the that, that's probably one of the most immediate choices one could make, but that art really carries it through. Um, just, I think that's scavenged the battlefield. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I appreciate that one a lot. Yep. Uh, there's another fun gag in similar lines in Wave 4. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aaron, what do you think? Uh, of a card I like? I don't know. I got... Just specifically the art. Um, I got excited for the... Uh, what's the one with Ratchet on it? For the thoughts of, hey, that's the obvious remold for that Ironhide mold. Just from the toy side of things. Uh, take cover. Yep. yep, had had to hunt through. So that w- that was the obvious repaint we could do. <laughs> yeah, you know we um we we as with the character cards we do get to play around a little bit here, right? Yeah. Um, well, and you guys just had uh, you just had trigger happy drop the, today or yesterday, if I recall correctly. Sure did, and we had we had sort of telegraphed him on smoke cloak for a while, and some people were trying to figure out who that was. They, some people got it right. The, mm-hmm. uh, the one thing I kind of enjoyed were the number of people who looked at smoke cloak and went like, "Oh, so he's not a jet." And I was kind of going like, "I think you just don't know what trigger happy looks like." Yeah. <laughs> right, because there's there's multiple forms of Cybertronian jet that have been. Yeah depicted in Transformers over time. Um, and Trigger Happy is kind of an unusual style of jet, but he's from that era of toys. Yeah, it's that right. kind of, um, that, that bullet train Shinkansen style cockpit shape. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I think you, you guys are just about done with spoiler season for Siege, right? Like, we're, we're kind of hitting the very end. I saw John today dropped one because someone said, I think there's 15 battle cards left, and he said, minus one. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that was Frag Toss, I believe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. And we have one, I believe we have one character card left as of the day that we're recording this. Editor note it was Taraxodon. Good old Taraxodon. Well, I think we're hitting, uh, we're hitting about the end of your time here, Drew. So thank you for uh, coming by once again. As always, it was a pleasure. I love talking to you guys. Um, and I look forward to seeing you when I can. Yeah. You'll so. definitely see Aaron. There's still no proof that yeah. I actually exist, but uh, one of these days. <laughs> Chris, I hope to see you at the uh, the Invitational. Aaron, I'm looking forward to seeing you at Gen Con. Yeah, we'll do, sir. Yeah. All right. And uh, yeah, thank you again for coming by. Thank you, dear listeners, for uh, listening in or checking us out on YouTube uh, if you're watching it where I posted it there. Uh, let me know what other kind of TCG stuff you want to see. We're, we're you know, we got, we got a little bit of, of time here and there uh, to talk about stuff. Deck techs are an obvious one, but uh, let me know if there's anything else you want to know about or if you yourself have any advice uh, on sideboarding from your own experiences in TCGs. A lot of people playing this game could use uh, a little bit of coaching in that regard. Um, there was a, a note on Facebook for uh, the TCG page that had some info on sideboarding. I've seen at least one or two basic articles come up. Pitch in some advice yourself. Uh, help out people like me. And until we talk to you next time, uh, 
keep shuffling them cards. Still gotta work on that. That's not a that's not a t-shirt. Yeah. That's not a t-shirt one. Yeah, no, that's not. We'll, we'll get there. Add all that up. I don't know what the f it means, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay. <laughs>